stay with the coach. Day twenty radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com. City, you're listening to the Underground Radio, bringing you all of the very best Pokemon news and views this side of Twist Mountain. I'm Natiel. And I'm Sam. For today's broadcast, we'll be disseminating some new Pokemon news, discussing video game play etiquette, presenting our double teams, spotlighting a particularly dangerous bivalve aquatic creature, and issuing forth the new question of the week. So sit back, relax, and give your Radio Rotome what it wants. So, Natil. It is so early. Yeah, it is. We are recording unnecessarily early on this Saturday morning. <laughs> unnecessarily early. Oh, that's, that's how scheduling worked this weekend. So I was up at like a quarter to, seven, or a quarter to eight this morning because we were recording at 8 a.m. And on Saturday, that is way too early. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But, but, we do have some pretty awesome things to talk about as far as Pokemon Chatter is concerned this week, starting off with the fact that uh, E4 tryouts are next week. Yes, there is. And I'm actually looking forward to it. I've got, I don't know, I was talking to a couple of the kids yesterday who are going to be doing it, and a lot of people seem really excited about it. I'm really excited about it. And, you know, it's really interesting because I've, when we said that we were going to be doing it, we were going to be uh, looking at their teams and we were going to be judging, you know, how they did as opposed to, you know, what kind of powerful Pokemon they could bring forth. And I've seen a lot of people talking about having Pokemon on their teams that are going to be Pokemon like Emolga, and uh, there was one who wanted a Pachirisu from the Dream World to put on there, and I'm just like, huh, this could be really, really interesting. I want to see what these people are bringing to the table. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing to seeing what people bring to the table and seeing how all this goes down, because we have two slots to fill. Exactly. So this is this is gonna be fun. We're we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with this one and see how it goes. Speaking of tournaments too, there's actually a tournament going on tomorrow at the uh, Paradox League, and that's going to be at noon. And you know, there it's their first big tournament they're running. Um, they're going to be pulling out quite a bit of stops. Actually, I heard that they were going to be having some free food there. They were going to be handing out prizes to the top 16 participants. And the first four placers, I think, were going to be getting some of the new tins. Yeah, and then everyone else is getting promo cards. Mm-hmm. 
So that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, it is. I'm going to head over there tomorrow, and I'll see how that works, bring my newly upgraded deck, and then we'll see how that works. Also on that uh, front, we have some updates on our on our last tournament from our league. Oh, yes. The Pokemon that was picked for uh, last week's tournament's winner, John, uh, was Smeargle, actually. Hoorah! That was an interesting choice. I wasn't expecting wasn't expecting a Smeargle. Neither was I. I guess when I was thinking about it, I was thinking that it would be... I guess, you know, he could pick whatever Pokemon he wanted, so, you know, this is totally fine. I was just... I was... In my mind, I thought he would pick something that would be somewhat time-consuming to breed and train up. I thought he would pick, like, a Dream World Pokemon that would have a somewhat obscure egg move or something. But, you know, if this is what he wants, then we can certainly accommodate it. It should be fairly easy to make a Smeargle. Definitely. I have, speaking of breeding, I finally got around to starting my uh, rebreed project for Metagross. Nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I've, I've decided that I'm going to go with, um, I'm going with a hammer arm set. Nice. Yeah. You've been talking about this actually for a while on the cast, haven't you? Yes, and I'm really excited because the, the idea of constant hammer arms and then gyro ball is terrifying. Yeah, it is. So we're gonna we're gonna see how that works for me. I started the rebreed. I'm going adamant on him. I thought about going with a uh with whichever one raises attack and reduces speed. Brave. That's it. I thought about going brave, but he's gonna lose enough speed after a couple of hammer arms, so Yeah. Yeah. It, adamant adamant was fine for for the project. And I had the the Metagross that I had was Jolly. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like, and then the ditto that I have is adamant. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to deal with breeding for a new nature. Adamant is great. <laughs> so we got, we're going, we're going through that. That's going to be all sorts of fun. I'm excited about that. But that's pretty much all I've been up to this week. All right. Well, the only other two things that I've really done has been I upgraded the Gothitel deck that I have. So now and it is 2013 ready? It's been 2013 ready for a while. It's just that it hasn't really functioned very well because, I mean, it was made to be a 2012 ready deck, and I've been trying to adapt it to make it 2013, and that's always been a little rough. And there are a few places where I could polish the edges a little. But the awesome thing about Dragons Exalted is that it introduced another completely new Gothitelle line to work in there. And I didn't replace any of the Gothitelles, because those Magic Room Gothitelles are just amazing. It is that I switched out the Gothitas and the Gotharitas in it, and the new Gothitas have a one Psychic Energy attack that is Future Sight, and it allows me to look at the top five cards of my deck and rearrange them in any order that I like. And having the ability to look at those top five cards and rearrange them gives me a tremendous, tremendous amount of draw power. I managed to get it set up la- this last week at League, and, you know, it 
probably worked out really well in my favor because I kind of stalled my opponent out with a couple of well-placed ends. But the nice thing about it was that even if I shuffled, I still got to look at the top five cards of my deck and rearrange them. So I constantly had an advantage as to what I was going to pull the very next turn, whether it was a Charon to draw another three or a Pokemon communicator to draw another Pokemon out from there, and it just worked out fantastically. And then the Gotharita, it was, it has a one energy attack called Hypnoblast, which puts the opponent to sleep and does 10 damage. And I preferred them over the older Gotharitas because I still wanted to keep that ability to put opponents to sleep. That's really awesome. Yeah. And then I also ventured forth into the internet, and I downloaded some of the Mew Pack from the... Uh, the from Pokemon the, Power Bracket? From the Power Bracket that happened just a couple of weeks ago. And I downloaded the GIF, and I downloaded the, I downloaded the uh, wallpaper. I didn't know if I liked the screensaver or not. What are you going to do with them? Like, I, I, I get I get what you do with the wallpaper, obviously, but I don't understand the point of the GIF. Well, I don't have any images that could fit into that little space that you get on like the D20 forums for your uh, display picture. So I figure I could make it something Pokemon, and then I could put that in there, and then that would work. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's pretty much been all I've been up to as well. Sweet. Well, if that's the case, let's head over to the news desk. And welcome to the news desk. We have a very special announcement, actually, this time around, and we got this information from the Warner Robins Area Pokemon League of Warner Robins, Georgia. As it turns out, there is a function that all play Pokemon participants who also took part in a sanctioned league during the Legend season can use in their player profile on Pokemon.com, which is they can order a special badge case. This is really cool. So if you want to do this, uh, you can order your league badge case by logging on to your Trainer Club account and heading under the My Play Pokemon tab. Scroll down until you see the League section, click on a link, that's and select the season and league location that you attended, um, if you attended more than one league. Because that's going to let, the, let Pokemon.com know where you want your case to be sent. Mr. Dan Brandt from TC TPCI has provided the following additional information as posted on the OP forms. The badge cases being offered as league support are ordered one per player. And because players can attend multiple leagues, they will need to log onto their accounts and select where they would like to pick up the badge case. They will be able to choose between any league that they have attended in the previous season and previous uh, players who did not get reported as attending a league in the previous season will need to wait until next season to order their badge case. Badge cases that are being sent to a league will go out with the other league materials ordered by the league for this upcoming season. When the league orders their materials, they will also receive those badge cases flagged for pickup at their location. 
Leagues will be able to tell by looking at their roster which players have set up a badge case delivery for their location. So please keep this information in mind when placing your order for a league badge case. You cannot order a league badge case if you haven't been reported as having attended a league session during the Legend season, and each player can only order one league badge case. Now, this is just fantastic news. It really is. It, it's it's really awesome because like when when you go on, you don't just have the option of ordering like a one standard league badge case. It's you, the 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 style is done after each one of the new gyms in black and white too. Indeed, I decided on ordering the uh, the uh, Aspertia gym style one myself just because I I guess I didn't really have any particularly strong ties to any of the other gym leaders and. I like the idea that it was going to be like a case from the first one and it would be like, hey, I'm starting out new on black and white too. And I don't know, it was a bit of, there was a bit of RP involved in that. So. I totally went for Nimbasa. You would. You I would. would. I would totally go for Nimbasa. No, I, I love Alyssa. I think she is super, super awesome. And I like her, her Amolgas, man, those things are nasty. <laughs> Yes, they are. So, I, oh, I, I, I just, still have nightmares about those. I do. <laughs> I, just, I have a lot of respect for her. So I, I went with uh, the Nimbasa uh, League badge case. So that's super awesome. And one thing, too, that I think a lot of people can do as well is if you've had people, say, move away, you can always have them order the badge case and then mail it to them. In fact, the reason I found this out, too, was that Kent, our friend who moved to Pensacola, Florida, he was wondering what this was that he could order on Pokemon.com, and I looked up this information and found this out for him, except it was that he couldn't order for any other league except ours, because he hadn't formed his own league yet during the Legends season. So what we're going to do here is that when we get his in, we're going to find some way to mail it over to him. Absolutely. That's totally not a problem for us because we, we rather enjoy Kent. We do. <laughs> uh, some other awesome news that came out this week is that international Pokemon black and white owners will be able to get those special perks for picking up and registering their copies of black and white two on the PGL. Players have until January 2013 to register their new games, but if both Black or White 1 and Black or White 2 are registered to the same account on the PGL, players will be able to obtain an Oshawott, Snivy, and Tepig Pokedoll, as well as a Victini, Reshiram, and Zekrom Seagear skin. That's pretty awesome. The Seeker skins are really, really cool looking. I mean, you know, the, the polka dolls are, you know, your standard kind of pastel, watercolory looking polka dolls. But yeah. uh, the, the Victini Seeker skin is uh, Victini doing the, the V for victory sign. Nice. Which is super, super cute. And then the Reshram and Zekrom are actually kind of stylized and super neat looking. Awesome. That makes me super glad that I'm ordering both games. <laughs> Pokemon now has official Facebook and Twitter accounts. You can now follow the official Pokemon Twitter account at Pokemon 
and like them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Pokemon. This is actually kind of cool. I was really surprised that uh, Pokemon was able to get the Twitter handle just at Pokemon. I thought for sure that would be gone. You would think so, but apparently not. Apparently not. And then on on Facebook, it's really cool because all of the the pages have, have timeline now. And so they all have cover photos. And Pokemon's official Facebook page has a countdown to Black and White 2 going on in their cover photo. Nice. So it's kind of cool. It updates every day, and it's like eight days remaining. So I I think that's really awesome. It is. It really is. So congratulations, Pokemon. You're finally starting to get into the same area where a lot of us are. And that's <laughs> welcome awesome. to the internet. Oh my goodness. Uh, speaking of black and white too, though, this is your last reminder to go and pre-order Pokemon Black and White 2, because these games come out on October 7th in the States, which will probably be the day that our next episode goes live. Indeed. <laughs> this is also your last reminder to head to your local GameStop or EB Games to pick up your Keldeo. The event is ending soon. It depends on the 6th for all of us in the States, and then it'll end the day before Pokemon Black and White 2 come out uh, in all the other areas as well. Indeed. It's also time for you to prepare for the Genesect event, which is going live immediately upon the release of Black and White 2. Which will also be awesome. Indeed. I've been waiting for Genesect to come out just because he's been that Pokemon that's really weird, and I've wanted to see how it actually works. Totally want to know what he's all about, because, like like you said, I mean, he's, he's a weird Pokemon. He's got some weird things going on, and it's so exciting to finally have access to him. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, that actually wraps up news for this week. It has not been a terribly heavy news week. I am sure that next week there will be lots of news to cover with Black and White 2 being officially out. All the news. (laughs) So with that in mind, we're going to head over to this week's main topic. or just for fun. The game loses a lot of its enjoyability if you or your opponent aren't playing fairly. And since Sam and I are now running a Pokemon League with the help of the always awesome Scott, we thought it was even more important now for us to discuss what we feel is appropriate etiquette during video game battles. We'll actually be discussing TCG etiquette in a later episode since the two, while equally important, are very, very different. The first thing that we'd like to mention is probably the one that every person who has ever played a video game competitively or even in any form of multiplayer with will always have experience with, and that is don't hack ever. We talked about this in our Live from Corcon episode with Josh when we sort of had a halfway through Viridian Forest about how we felt about hackers. And 
it's just one of those things that ruins the game, especially for competitive battlers. Because competitive battlers like myself and Sam and Scotty and Kent and Josh, we sink a lot of time and effort into our Pokemon. And it's not only unfair, but it's also rude to come to battle us with Pokemon that you just produced in 30 seconds. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure while some people are thinking, well, it's a time saver, you know, is if what we can do in 30 seconds, you guys have to take, you know, three days for. And that means that we're going to have our team fielded earlier, and there's really not any difference, except there is a difference to people who are genuinely 100% passionate about their Pokemon game. And I think Josh best summed it up when in the live from Korkon episode when he said something to something along the lines of it's extremely satisfying for him to be able to see our trainer name and our unique ID number associated with these Pokemon because then they're yours and you created them from absolutely nothing. And hacking, it just, it ruins that and you don't get any enjoyment out of it. And you, you know, again, like we were talking about, we tend to see our Pokemon like they're out, like they're ours, like almost like they're our kids. And when you hack, you don't see your Pokemon like your kids. You see them as little pieces of data, and that automatically makes the game less fun for you, and it makes it less fun for the hackers. It's totally true. And, you know, even even if you don't, like, see your Pokemon quite that, you know, even, even if you yourself are not quite that close to your Pokemon... It, it's, it still has an effect on the gameplay. It has an effect on how... It, it has an effect on the standard of the gameplay. It has an effect on how the community as a whole functions. I mean, if if hacking sort of becomes like etiquette and norm, it, it changes the entire face of how Pokemon is played, and that's something that nobody wants to see happen, except for the hackers. It's true. Another thing too, and this is this has more like real life consequences. If you keep hacking your game to the point that it starts to destabilize the data, then your game will just fry. So true, true story. And hacking also gets you disqualified from any official play Pokemon events. It's true. Uh, the next thing that we want to talk about that we sort of take for granted at our league uh, is no wonder launcher. Oh, Wonder Launcher. The Wonder Launcher was... I mean, I, I understand why the Wonder Launcher was put in. I am sure that for kids between, you know, the, that, that early stage of their Pokemon playing days, you know, you're, you're 10, you're 11 years old, the Wonder Launcher is probably a pretty cool thing. Because for them, it adds a level of, you know, excitement to Pokemon battles that maybe they didn't have without it. And for kids about that age who aren't IV breeding, who aren't EV training, that's that's totally their prerogative. But for those of us that are doing competitive battling, the Wonder Launcher is a... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's a distraction. It's unnecessary. It completely changes the face of a battle in ways that doesn't make any sense. And it's it's something that needs to be avoided in... 
in your battling. I've always seen the Wonder Launcher as a tool for younger players or newer players to adapt themselves to battling in multiplayer, because the multiplayer battles, understandably, are going to be vastly different from the battles that you're going to be engaging in in-game. And to some people, it is a bit of a shock, and I can see this as a way to sort of adapt yourself to changing into the broader metagame. But for older players, you you don't need this. I mean, there are better ways to go about getting your team ready than relying on the Wonder Launcher to drop down a well-placed max revive. Well, yeah, and that that's just it. Think, think for a minute about the last time you went through the Elite Four. And you're going through, you're going through, you're going through. And then you hit that sock. And the sock has sturdy. And you, you know, you know it's got sturdy, you punch it really hard, and it goes down to that one hit point, and then it attacks you. And then uh, Elite Four member, is it Marshall? Yes. Elite Four member Marshall uses the full restore. How angry do you get? Fairly angry. Do I you, mean, do you really want to give your opponent that experience when you're battling? It's it's true. I mean, I that's, mean, that's exactly what you're doing. And there are plenty of occasions where people are going to rage on you without having the Wonder Launcher there, if you've done your team right. Exactly. So, I mean, just, the Wonder Launcher is a crutch. Please don't use it. If you get too dependent on the crutches, then you're, you know, only a step above hacking, because hacking in itself is like two crutches supporting everything ever so it is the ultimate crutch another thing to to remember is to agree to abide by all agreed upon clauses every tournament has a you know a, a number of those in our league we always go by the item clause which says that your team can only have one of each item we always use the Species Clause, which means your team can't have two Charizards, but it can have a Charmeleon and a Charizard. Uh, we abide by the Sleep Clause, which says that you you know, you know can only put one of your foe's Pokemon to sleep. Uh, Pokemon put to sleep by your foe themselves don't count toward that, so you can have as many Pokemon resting as you want to. Yep. Uh, and those are really the three big ones that we that we go with as Item, Species, and Sleep. Yeah, and there are a couple other ones out there that are a little more obscure. But, you know, if you're going to get into a battle and, you know, people say, hey, you know, don't do this, don't do this, you know, please, please try not to do them. I mean, some mistakes are okay, but keep it in, keep it in the back of your mind, especially since a lot of the clauses that we mentioned here are actually ones that most players, I guess, assume that are always going to be in place when they go into a battle. And that's also, I think, all three of those clauses are the same ones that are used by official Pokemon.com events. Definitely. I mean, like, and it, like the, the sleep clause especially is really important. Um, it's like even in doubles battles, if you're doing doubles battles and the sleep clause is in effect, you can't use moves like Dark Void. Ugh. Because you will put two Pokemon to sleep, and that is against the the sleep clause. So it's it's just something to be aware of. And 
since those three clauses especially are pretty straightforward, there shouldn't be any reason for uh, you to not take them into consideration while you're battling. Yeah, it's just it's just a matter of politeness, really. Speaking of politeness... During a tournament... During a tournament, do not discuss your opponent's team with anyone else until after the tourney. This may not seem like a big deal to you at first, but it, it really can be. We've had a couple of instances where uh, people have discussed teams during a tournament that did not belong to them with other people. And for the person that built the team that's being discussed, it's it's a very... Un, it's it's an unfortunate thing, especially if that team is built around some surprising move sets or uh, some interesting tricks. Because if the opponent knows about those tricks going in, then that opponent has an unfair advantage in the upcoming battle. Yeah, and you know it's it's rude. It really is when you're when you've invested that much time into it, and then all information is being spread out about it after you've already had the battle. I mean, it's different when people are doing things like playing in a chess tournament or something where you can always use something different all the time. It's When you're in a Pokemon tournament, you more often than not have to keep using the same Pokemon every time. And even if you think that you've shared an innocent amount of information and maybe you know you're only sharing it with somebody else who lost you know the i the idea is still planted in your mind that someone might have heard it and then any subsequent losses you've had are a result of somebody you know loose lips sink ships sort of thing so you know it's just something that's best avoided just for everybody's well-being Indeed. I mean, like, if like if you and a friend are, like, in a tournament together or something like that, you can absolutely, you know, talk about how, how you think you did, where you thought you could have used improvement. I mean, like, if you found a hole in your team, totally okay to talk to your friends about your team. Um, you know, af- after the tournament, you and, you and your, your buddies can talk about every single fascinating detail about every one of your battles, and that's totally cool. Just, you know, during the tournament itself, while there are still battles going on, regardless of if you and your opponent have both been knocked out, just don't don't discuss the specifics of other people's teams until after the tourney has completed. Exactly. Another thing that we want to talk about is, um, we, we talked about abiding by all the agreed-upon clauses, but something that doesn't necessarily happen in official play Pokemon events, but happens in a lot of league tournaments is abiding by um, any tier agreements made. Exactly. And this, this is something that's really important because there, there are a lot of factors that fall into this and it's really only something that happens in competitive play as opposed to just, you know, for, for fun play it, you have to know whether or not the tournament that you're using wants you to be using uh Pokemon online tiers or Smogon tiers. Because as Sam and I have discussed before, the tiers are different in the way that they are set up. And it's important to know which set of tiers you're looking at because while a Pokemon may be considered NU on one tier, it may be UU on another tier. Exactly. So you you have to be aware of which set of tiers you're supposed to be using. And then on top of that, the reason that, uh, that tournaments and that people 
go with these these tier agreements, the reason that people will specifically ask for an NU battle is just because a team of six NU Pokemon does not hold its own in an appropriate fashion against a team of six OU Pokemon. And that's that's just the nature of the game. Their stats are lower in general. Their move sets are more limited. They rely on a lot of tricks and things that may take a turn or two to get off. And an OU battle goes much too fast for that. Unless you're Josh. Unless you're Josh. But you know, we 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 just we just pretend that that Josh is you know pretty much Arceus. Yeah. And we. <laughs> And we just accept Josh's and you Pokemon for the terrifying terrors they are. But in general, in general, <laughs> abiding by tier agreements is important. It's never cool when somebody brings an Uber to an NU fight. It really isn't. <laughs> I have I have my Furt and my Persian, and oh hi, you're a Darkrai. <laughs> Another, I think the last thing really that we wanted to talk about was to be aware of the type of situation you're in. And this, this is kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, um, where, where like the, the actual etiquette part of etiquette pops in. Yeah. And I guess you had a really good, you had a really good uh, example here, but I guess I'm not entirely sure what you meant. And oh, so, okay. Like, when I what I what I said in show notes is that it's it's totally okay for me to be animated while I'm I'm battling with Sam, but it's different when I'm battling with someone who isn't like my close personal friend. And what I mean by that is when Sam and I are battling, we we get like really really into it. We we talk really loudly. I you know I I throw my DS back a little bit when something terrible happens, or I make table flipping motions because. <laughs> you know, something ridiculous has happened, or if something, like, if I pull off something really awesome, sometimes, you know, Sam will make a table flip motion, and that's, that's you know, something that is okay, because we've, we're, we're close personal friends, we've been battling together for ages, the same thing happens, like, when I battle with Josh, and that's, that's because there's, there's an established relationship there. But if you're battling in, like, an official, like, sanctioned play Pokemon tournament and you don't know your opponent, you have no idea who they are other than the trainer name that pops up on your screen when you're about to battle them, that is not the time for antics like that. That is the, true. That is the time to be serious and respectful of the person that you're battling because the person that you're battling is also taking the battle seriously. And... It's it's not that when I get animated like that, I'm not taking the battle seriously, but the situations are very, very different, and you, you need to be aware of the differences in what is expected of you in those two situations. It's true. And, you know, at the same time, too, being aware of the situation you're in, it's also important to use a little common sense when you're doing this, too, because... Nobody likes the person who's going to be who's going to be openly belligerent about a lot of things too. And you know, you kinda have to like you like Natil said, you kinda have to stop and think about how about how the battle is going, who your opponent is, you know if you've never met them before, you know, maybe tone it down just a little and 
you know, you don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable when you're battling them, too. I mean, there's there's going to be some amount of trash talk going on some battles, too, because, I mean, it is a competitive game. A lot of the people who play in the competitive game are older, so... Oh, I, abs- to- I absolutely would not trash talk. I think that is terrible. And, you know, there are going to be some people who do. I mean, Richard will trash talk me fairly frequently when I'm playing Pokemon against him. Yeah, but that's that's a, that's a different situation again. I mean, that's that's you and Richard because you guys are close friends, and that is that is okay. But if like if you're in a tournament setting, trash then talking, yeah, don't don't trash talk your opponents because that's that's rude. I mean, these people have put a lot of time and effort into their their teams, and if you can only win your battles by you know, rattling a, a shy, introverted player who has come to this tournament by heckling them, then then you're not a Pokemon trainer. You're a bully. It's true. So, you know, I mean, you guys, you can trash talk your friends all you want to. I mean, like, if when, uh, you know, when Raikoho comes out against Sam, I know that Sam's going to get a little bit nervous because I have two <laughs> Jolteons and both of them are nasty. And, you know, if I, I, you know, I, I can mention that I can, you know, be a little bit, I can poke at him a little bit, but that's because Sam and I have an established friendship outside of that Pokemon battle. It's true. So, yeah, I think that pretty well covers it, actually, for the video game play etiquette. Indeed. So, you know, just as a a quick recap, these are the things that you need to be aware of when having Pokemon battles with other people to act in an appropriately, you know, a a good etiquette fashion in video game battles. And that is to not hack, don't use the Wonder Launcher, abide by all the agreed-on clauses and tier agreements, don't discuss your opponent's team with anyone else until after a tournament is over, and be aware of the type of situation you're in and the type of trainer you're battling, be they a friend or someone you have never before met. Indeed. It is double team time again here on the Underground Podcast, and this week's uh, double team challenge Pokemon was really quite a challenge, and that Pokemon was Mawile. So Sam and I are going to uh, present our two different teams, which actually turned out being very, very different this week. It's true. Um, Unusually, I get to go first this week. (laughs) So I, I actually took Mawile, and I ended up making a Trick Room team, which unfortunately does not have all of the pithy names ever, because I, I, I don't know, I was lazy, I guess, and didn't, didn't come <laughs> up with awesomely pithy names for, for this team. Uh, but this Trick Room team, for me, is including, obviously, Mawile, and then with Mawile, I am using Uxy, Crawdont, Cofagrigus, Electros, and Ferrothorn. Now, the, for those of you who aren't aware, Trick Room uh, is a a move that for five turns um, switches speeds around. So slower Pokemon move before faster Pokemon. And because of that, I have 
put together uh, two trick room users and then an amalgamation of really slow moving Pokemon that are going to hit crazy, crazy hard on this trick room team. Starting off with the challenge Pokemon, which this week happened to be Mawile. I am using a Sheer Force Mawile, and with Sheer Force, obviously, I'm going to be choosing the Life Orb. Um, I will be going with Sucker Punch, Iron Head, Ice Punch, and Fire Fang for its moveset. Ice Punch is one that it gets via the Move Tutor in Black and White 2, which is super awesome. Uh, this this gives Mawile some, uh, some amount of priority if, you know, we do get stuck in a situation where my Trick Room is gone. Because I don't ever want her to end up in a situation where because she is too slow, she doesn't have an option to do more damage. Uh, Iron Head is a great stab for her. And then Ice Punch and Fire Fang both get the boost from uh, Sheer Force. I believe Iron Head does too because it carries a chance for flinch. It does. And then my main Trick Room user is Uxie. Uxie has only one ability, which is Levitate. And I have chosen to give Uxie the Leftovers. The really crazy awesome thing about uh, about Uxy is that I have used a lot of black and white to move tutor moves, and it has created an astonishing Pokemon. <laughs> Uxy is going to be using Trick Room, Zen Headbutt, Heal Bell, and U-Turn. Nice. So what this means is that Uxy can pop out and Trick Room. And then instead of needing to... Uh, switch out and waste an opportunity to get some damage in, Oxy gets to say, hey, I'm going to U-turn instead, and then is able to U-turn out and get some damage in. And then on top of that, uh, with the black and white two move tutors, Oxy has access to Zen Headbutt, which is the only stab physical attack that it gets, and its physical attack is substantially better than its special attack. And on top of that, it gets Heal Bell. So now this team has some aspect of a cleric working for it. I don't have uh, I don't have any wish passing going on in here, but I do have the ability to heal off burns, which are going to be substantially harmful to this team overall. Indeed. Next up, I have my second trick room user, who happens to be Kafagrigus. Kafagrigus again only has one ability, which is mummy. And I have opted to give uh, Kafagrigus the Citrus Berry, for lack of anything better that I could think of at the moment. Uh, Kafagrigus, again, is going to be using Trick Room. He is my secondary Trick Room user in case uh, something terrible were to happen to Uxie, like if she were to come across, oh, I don't know, uh, a Yanmega. <laughs> so Kafagrigus is the secondary Trick Room user. He's got Trick Room, along with Pain Split, Will-O-Wisp, and Shadow Ball. <laughs> because pain split Kafagrigus, yes, please. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, that's that's one of his move tutor moves for Black and White too, as well. I do believe. Uh, so that's that's my Kafagrigus. Then we're getting into the other uh, th- the other two, three, the other three big attackers for this team, other than Mawile after my Trick Room. Starting off with Crawdont, who I have opted to use his adaptability ability because that's so awesome then we have the choice band on my crawdont which is exciting because the crawdont that i have right now can't use the choice band because he has to d-dance first but (laughs) on this trick room team he gets to have crunch crab hammer superpower and rock slide 
which is so mean. Adaptability choice ban crawdon with crab hammer is is terrifying on so many levels. All of the crab hammer I'm destroying so, everything. I am so excited about that. Uh, Electros is actually really exciting for me as well because the Electros that I have is is a wall Electros. So on a Trick Room team, I get the option to make him a, a really powerful sweeper, which he can do. Uh, Electros is using the Expert Belt and has his only ability, Levitate. And with the Expert Belt in play, I will be going with a moveset of Dragon Claw, Train Punch... Thank you, Black and White Move Tutor 2. Thunder Punch, also thank you, Black and White Move Tutor 2. And Aqua Tail, Move Tutor. Wow. Aqua Tail, Thunder Punch, Drain Punch, Dragon Claw. I can't, like, the Thunder, the, the Drain Punch itself was what got me super freaking excited because just Drain Punch on Electros is going to be destructive. He's gonna be able. To, he's gonna be able to heal off damage that he takes, even if he isn't fast enough or strong enough to take a foe down in one go with one of his other attacks. And since his only weakness is ground, which he is immune to thanks to levitate, it's it's he's a terror. He's a terror on the battlefield. And speaking of terrors on the battlefield, I have Ferrothorn. Ferrothorn is a terror for everyone all the time because he is a stupid, crazy, difficult wall to move. What I have done is taken his extremely slow speed and turned him into a ridiculous, ridiculous sweeper on a Trick Room team. What what I've done is uh, taken Ferrothorn with his only ability, Iron Barbs, and given him the big root. And I have opted to give him Leech Seed because his defenses are super high, so he's going to be a tough nut to crack in the first place, but I do want him to have that HP regeneration to make him last a little bit longer. And on top of that, if I you know switch out to a different Pokemon with the Leech Seed, they're going to get a little bit of healing as well. On top of that, he is going to be utilizing Power Whip, which is the stupid, powerful, physical grass-type attack that he gets. On top of that, if we ever end up in a situation where uh, my Trick Room has gone away, I have opted to give him his Stab uh, Gyro Ball because, you know, again, like if, if I end up in a situation where I don't have Trick Room anymore, I need a couple of Pokemon that can still do some damage in those situations, and Ferrothorn fits that bill with Gyro Ball. On top of that, I have given Ferrothorn Explosion. Oh, jeez. Because with Ferrothorn, you can tell when he's going to be about to die, because his defenses are strong enough that he's going to be able to take several hits. And after battling with Ferrothorn for a while, you really start to learn what it's going to take to take him out. And if an opponent comes out and you're like, oh, they've got something that's going to finish him off, I'd best explosion. And on a Trick Room team, you're going to be faster. It's intense. It really is. So, so that's Ferrothorn. So again, I'm I'm working with Ferrothorn, Electros, Crawdont, Copagrigus, Uxy, to support my awesome, awesome Mawile. and that's that's my Trick Room team. Very nice. I've decided to make a Sand team that will allow stackable entry hazard damage to weaken the opponent on every turn, with Mawile being a one-turn boosting physical attacker. The team I've decided on will include Mawile, Hippowdon, Skarmory, Aerodactyl, Cradilly, and Omastar. So I've got a lot of fossil Pokemon running around in here. 
The first Pokemon is the Chosen Mawile. It's Jolly with Sheer Force, 252 attack, 252 speed, and 4 defense with the Life Orb. It will have Swords Dance, Fire Fang, Iron Head, and Sucker Punch. And I felt that that would be a really good thing to work with for this Mawile after I've cleared out maybe a couple of hidden fire types around there that might cause him trouble, that might cause him trouble. And then I could just Swords Dance and Fire Fang and Iron Head on Pokemon that would be about in Mawile's theoretical speed range and then Sucker Punch anything that would be faster. And theoretically that should do a tremendous amount of damage. The next one up is Hippowden. It's Impish with the ability Sandstream with 252 HP, 252 Special Defense, 4 Defense, and it has the item Leftovers. It will have Stealth Rock, Slack Off, Earthquake, and Ice Fang. Earthquake obviously being its primary attack, Ice Fang being a secondary attack to deal with any dragon types that might pop up in there, or grass types that might pop in there to try and ruin my day, slack off to recover off all of the damage that I'd be taking, and then stealth rock to stack entry hazard damage on there. Though I did consider maybe swapping out Ice Fang for Roar if I really needed to start phasing attackers. The next one up was my Skarmory. It's Impish with the ability Sturdy. It has 252 HP, 232 defense, and 24 speed with the item Shed Shell. It has the attack Whirlwind, which is the phasing attack that I would otherwise consider on the Hippowden, Spikes, Roost, and Brave Bird. And Skarmory is going to really be there to be the one to absorb all the physical hits that my Hippowden would be the foil to absorbing all of the special hits. And Skarmory will be out there to lay down a bunch of spikes, take a bunch of hits, and then roost off all the damage. Aerodactyl, he's got Jolly, Pressure, 252 attack, 252 speed, and 4 HP, and has the item Wide Lens. He has Roost, Stone Edge, Earthquake, and Taunt, and the Wide Lens is really there to improve Stone Edge's accuracy. And this will also be important because I really don't have any other Pokemon out there that have a strong Rock-type attack, and especially with Aerodactyl, it'll be nice because he's, because he's a part Rock-type, he'll also be taking that 50% special defense boost that he would get in the Sandstorm, so it'll be nice for that. And he'll have Taunt and couple that with his impressive speed, and he'll be able to shut down any boosting users or any Pokemon that might try to spread status conditions around. Credilly is my next one, and this one's a little more interesting than some of the other Pokemon I have on here. It's got Bold for Nature, the ability Storm Drain, 252 HP, 252 defense, and 4 special defense with the item Big Root. It has the attacks Gastroacid, Toxic, Recover, and Giga Drain. And the Credilly is really going to be there to absorb 
the super effective water attacks that'll be coming in on a number of the Pokemon that I have on this team. And it'll be able to absorb it and boost its own special attack. It can Giga Drain any other ground or rock types that might be in there that I probably won't be able to hit for much damage. And it'll have Toxic to wear opponents down. It'll have Gastro Acid to remove their abilities from effect. And it'll have Recover to recover off any other additional damage that it might take, such as if Giga, uh, Giga Drain didn't have a enough super effective damage potential to absorb much HP from it. The last one that I have on this team is Omastar. He's timid with the ability Swift Swim. He's got 4 HP, 252 special attack, and 252 speed, and he has the Focus Sash. My Omastar is carrying Earth Power, Hydro Pump, Ice Beam, and Shell Smash. And the Omastar and the Cradilli both, I guess, are there to preclude any water teams that might pop up and try and mess up my Pokemon. And Omastar is going to be there to abuse any enemy rain that might pop out. And if I've already Shell Smashed, then with Swift Swim, that Omastar is just going to be blazingly, blazingly fast. And with Earth Power, Hydro Pump, and Ice Beam, coupled with the massive special attack that it would have and the boost from Shell Smash, Omastar could be the kind of Pokemon that could just rip through an unsuspecting Pokemon's an unsuspecting Pokemon or an enemy team. And that is my double team, actually. That's really cool. I like I like where you went with that. I I was really surprised that we went to so different places with with this Mawile. I know, right? I figured that with 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 a Pokemon like Mawile, you and I would both just like latch on to the same thing. And while we did both go with a Life Orb Sheer Force Mawile, the the teams that we have put behind them are so different. I know, right? I really like all of the uh all all of the fossil Pokemon that, that you included on this team. I think they're... You don't see them in battle very often, and to see so many of them on one team, it's kind of cool. Thank you. Well, I guess that sort of wraps up Double Team for us this month. Next week, we will start a, another round of suggestions. So, if you liked what you saw from a while, and you can think of another Pokemon that you would like to see a video game team built around... Get your suggestions ready, because next week we'll be taking new ones. What kind of Pokemon are you? How do you do the things you do? Share with me your secrets deep inside. What kind of Pokemon are you? Are you loyal through and through? And do you have a heart that's true? What kind of Pokemon are you? This week's Pokemon Spotlight covers number 91, Cloyster. Cloyster is known as the bivalve Pokemon and is a dual water and ice type. It has a large shell covered in spikes, six of which are long and cylindrical, resembling turrets. The spikes are used to protect its soft inside from foes. Its face resembles a black pearl, 
and it has a jutting horn spike just above its face. Cloister has strong defenses thanks to its tough shell. It lobs spikes at its foes to protect itself. Cloister are clever, sneaky Pokemon emboldened by their ability to take physical blows with ease. They routinely rush at prey that may be too large for them simply because they know they can. They move through the water using a means of propulsion. They live in deep oceans or in seabeds covered with coral. Cloyster is seen most notably in the anime belonging to Lorelei, a member of the Kanto Elite Four, though it has appeared in several other anime episodes. Similarly, Cloyster's main appearance in the manga also involves Lorelei. Cloyster has only appeared on seven TCG cards, none of which are currently tournament legal. Cloyster has the highest physical defense of all water and ice-type Pokémon. It is also the only ice-type Pokémon found in the purple color group of the Pokédex. Cloyster is based on real-world bivalve Pokémon, specifically the genus Spondylus. Cloyster's name has several possible meanings. It could be a combination of cloister, meaning to seclude and shelter oneself, and oyster. Or it could be a combination of clam and oyster. Cloyster's English name is actually also its Spanish and Italian name. With insanely high defenses, Cloyster makes a wonderful and tough-to-break wall when done correctly. But more commonly, he is seen becoming a massive tank after the ever-popular Shell Smash. With its skill link ability, it can utilize Rock Blast and Icicle Spear like no other Pokemon can. For a full write-up on video game strategy involving Cloyster, check out my post on the Pokedex Project. That's pokedexproject.wordpress.com. Welcome again to Question of the Week. We have a lot of responses to talk about this week, starting off with a bunch of responses from not last week, but the previous week's question about what kind of Pokemon trainer you would be. Josh Massey replies, I don't know if I missed it already, but I would be, like Sam, an ace trainer or a dark type gym leader. That doesn't surprise me. I know, right? <laughs> Robert Barrett replies, I think I would start out as a Pokemon trainer, but find that I enjoyed battles on a more casual level, and then turn into more of a Pokemon field researcher, like Gary or Professor Birch. I would have the fun aspects of exploring and learning about and catching Pokemon, without the less appealing aspect of having to battle a million Zubats in a cave that requires strength and Rock Smash to get to the next town before the upcoming the next upcoming tournament is over. <laughs> Fair enough. Noah Jensen, also known as a new me 23 from the D20 Network forums, replies, The Pokemon career I'd love to have would be type specialist slash talk radio host. The type I'd be interested in would be bug and poison. I've also wanted to do a radio show in real life, and I think it would be fun. He also says that for our very first ever question of the week, the Pokemon I'd choose as my partner would be Arcanine. It is one of my favorite Pokemon from the original 151. The moves possible for Arcanine are amazing as well. We also had a reply from our listener Emily, who said, Like you guys, I had a bit of a hard time thinking through exactly what profession I would have in the Pokemon world. 
Eventually, though, I decided that I would definitely be a Pokemon professor. I think I could enjoy a life of training and battling for a while, perhaps making my way through the gyms of my region and taking on the Elite Four if I felt up to it. Afterwards, though, I think I'd like to settle into a life of studying and collecting different types of Pokemon. Maybe I would even be an expert on a specific type, electric or fire, perhaps? It would be cool to be the Professor Oak of my own town and to give kids their first Pokemon, thus starting the cycle anew. I can get behind that. I can, too. So that takes care of the question, the responses that we had from that question. We also had a bunch of responses from uh, last week's question about which of the legendary birds is your favorite. Starting out, Josh Massey again replies, Zapdos, multiple exclamation points. He is just <laughs> so cool. Noah replied, the legendary bird that is my favorite is Moltres. Its set of moves that it can learn can cause serious problems for most trainers. Robert Barrett replies, I would definitely have to say Articuno is my favorite of the legendary birds. When Red and Blue first came out, I thought it best exemplified an ice type, something most other first-gen ice types aren't so great at, but Dugong is still a cutie. In my opinion, it also has the most elegant and put-together design of all the other of all the original legendary birds as well, even if it does lose half its health when stealth rocks are up. Emily replies, Zapdos all the way. I'll agree that Articuno has the most elegant design of the three birds, but Zapdos's design just appeals to me more. The black plumage on the back of its wings always struck me as a cool feature, and it really makes it seem like he's coming down from a dark thundercloud to wreak havoc with a blast of lightning. For me, Zapdos's design displays the most raw power of any of the legendary birds. He may not be the most beautiful of the three, but to me, he looks the most intimidating. I also love looking into the mythology behind Pokemon design, and the idea that he's based on the Thunderbird, a creature from quite a few mythologies, is interesting to me. Plus, Electro-type Pokemon are my favorites. That helps. <laughs> Javier Golemgeski replies, My favorite legendary bird would have to be Zapdos. I say Zapdos because he was the first legendary Pokemon I caught, and at the time I did not even know there were legendary Pokemon. I got the game used and had no internet. But I did know he was something special, the one Pokemon in the game that did not ambush me. Remember, I did not know about the others at the time. He was just waiting for me there, the whole game he was right there, and now I had found him. I later learned that there were others like him and from one of my friends, but ever since that day, that deep feeling of pride from when I caught the legendary Bird of Lightning has come back whenever I look at that spiky beak. This is so awesome. We really want to thank all you guys for all of your crazy awesome responses for this week, especially since last week's question of the week section was so short. Indeed. And once again, we've got another question of the week for you. We're kind of sticking in that Kanto theme right now, asking you, who is your favorite Kanto gym leader? So, Natil, who is yours? Ah, Misty. That makes sense. Misty is my favorite. For a really, really long time, my favorite type of Pokemon was water because of Misty. Misty was just like this, the most awesome thing ever. She, I I really liked Erica. I have have a big thing for, I've always had a really big thing for identifying with female characters in video games because they're so few and far between. And Misty was the first, you know, female character that you really come across in the Pokemon games. And I, I was super enthralled with her. She was, she was 
spunky. She she had a great personality in the anime. She is just awesome. And you know, later on when you find Erica, Erica's got a very you know demure personality. And when I was younger, Erica wasn't something that I that I wanted to emulate. Misty was something that I much more wanted to emulate in in my earlier days. So I've always held a soft spot for Misty. That's cool. What about you? Who is your favorite Kanto gym leader? This one was actually a little, uh, actually a little difficult because I really liked Erica and I really liked Sabrina, and I thought both of those characters were very, very interesting. But I think I ultimately had to go with Lieutenant Surge. Oh, yes, and it was because of a number of reasons. Actually, the first was that when I first picked up Nintendo Power and I was first exposing myself to the broader Pokemon world as opposed to just, you know, hey, I'm playing Pokemon Yellow, have fun. Um, I, the very first episode, the very first issues that I got of Nintendo Power had those Pokemon comics put in them. And the very first Pokemon comic that I got was the one dealing with Lieutenant Surge. And that was pretty awesome. The second big thing was I was playing Pokemon Yellow, and it was sort of this, like, weird metaphysical moment that I was a brand new trainer with a Pikachu fighting Lieutenant Surge with his Raichu. And I was like, wow, RPing is awesome, especially when I'm doing this exactly like it happened in this Pokemon comic that was based off of the anime that I just read. So, and another big thing, you know, on a less, you know, tying to the anime and the comics version of it is when I first played through Yellow, he was the very first gym leader that I ever had trouble with. And I wasn't you know, I was brand new to it, so the catching of Pokemon was a little tricky for me. You know, I was just in a I was in a very weird spot right away, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to train and train and train really, really hard, and I'm going to beat this gym leader with Pokemon like my Pikachu. And it took a lot of effort on my part, but I trained it all the way up. I think I actually trained them so high that some of them stopped listening to my commands. <laughs> But I was, it. I was able to run in there and just destroy Lieutenant Surge after I had lost maybe eight or nine times in the challenge against him. And I was just, I felt this overwhelming sense of, you know, accomplishment. And ever since then, he's sort of held just this weird little place among the Kanto gym leaders as being this incredibly difficult opponent for me to fight. That's pretty cool. Alrighty, so if you want to respond to this week's question of the week, you know what to do. You send an email to theundergroundmailbag at gmail.com. If you enjoyed today's broadcast, you can find back episodes of The Underground on iTunes or at our website, theundergroundpodcast.wordpress.com. Please subscribe to the show via the iTunes store or directly through the RSS feed on our website. 
If you like what you hear, leave us a review or rating on iTunes. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them with the nearest deli bird to our mailbag. Or you can just email us at theundergroundmailbag at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear your bumpers. Just record an MP3 of yourself telling us that you dig the underground and send it in. We'll play it at the top of the next episode. Please join our discussions over on the D20 Radio Network forums at d20radio.com backslash forums. Please join us again next week when we will be discussing the Black and White 2 Move Tutor. So until next time, Polka fans, remember that our secret base is always open to you if you can find it. Underground Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Pokemon is a registered trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, 4Kids Entertainment, and Wizards of the Coast. Music used in the show comes courtesy of the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. These songs and thousands more can be found at www.ocremix.org. All original audio, textual, graphical, and video content associated with the Underground Podcast are the sole copyright intellectual property of Nikhil Erickson and Samuel Ranke in affiliation with the D20 Radio Network. I don't want to talk to you. Oh my. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I hope, I hope you realize I was totally recording you say shut oh. up. I don't want to talk to you. Do not discuss your Pokemon's team with anyone else. Your Pokemon's team, your opponent's team. Your Pokemon's team. As it turns <laughs> out, your Pokemon are playing other Pokemon, and you're only having an... <laughs> An existential crisis. An existential crisis, yes. As it turns out, you aren't real. <laughs> so. But talking about the specifics of... Well, then. What was that? Shango's throwing books everywhere. Wow. He's up on top of the... Up on top of my bookshelf. And he was just like, all of your Japanese books, boosh. <laughs> All right, then. I guess. Anyway...